This is Bloomberg Business Week. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. We're here every day bringing you the latest news from the world of business and finance. Plus technology, politics, economics, all harnessing the power of Bloomberg Business Week reporters and editors. Not to mention our 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. You can download Bloomberg Business Week on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio. All right. Well, we are here welcoming our viewers on Bloomberg Television and Radio, downtown New York City. John Foley is our host because you're host to thousands of members, Peloton members, descending on our fair city this weekend. So great to be with you. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for being here, Jason and Carol. What's going on? Uh, so it's called Peloton Homecoming 2019. It was born out of a, an event that the uh, our Peloton community self-organized. So we found out five or six years ago there were hundreds of people from around the country that had self-organized on social, generally Facebook or Twitter, come together and they decided a weekend to come to New York, to your point, descend on New York, have a weekend, celebrate fitness, come to Peloton Studios, take a ride with their favorite instructor. And this year it's grown to over 3,000 people. We now host it and we get, you know, collaborate with, with the community. So it's a really fun weekend where they get to enjoy New York, enjoy fitness, and enjoy each other uh, meeting other members of the community. That's such an important point. I think about Business Week magazine has talked about how fitness, when you have a community aspect to it, taking a class, being with people, getting the support, that's a big part of, I feel like, the successful fitness models going forward. It's, it's crazy. Uh, yes, absolutely. We're seeing it in intense ways in Peloton. I just walking over here, I met a uh, two African-American women uh, were so excited to be here. One was a policewoman from Louisiana, and one was a firefighter in New York City, and they had both lost a bunch of weight on the Peloton bike, and they acted like sisters, like they'd known each other, best friends, and they said they met a couple years ago via the biking platform, via Peloton, cool. and now they're fantastic friends. They're celebrating each other and their friendship, and it was like, wow, you know, we're bringing people together, and that, that community element is something that I didn't anticipate. Uh, when we built the platform, but it's so real and so fun, and so it's a big part of this weekend. Well, and the story of you building this company is amazing. We're both pretty familiar with it. It's come very far uh, in just eight or so years. One of the most interesting elements, I think, to all of us is the bike. We've got some in the in the mm-hmm. background here. The app has been so successful, it feels like, of late. Talk about that part of the business model. Yeah, so we call it, Jason, we call it the democratization of great fitness classes. We're trying to bring great fitness and our instructors and our community to everyone. So if you have $2,000 to get you know, in your checkbook, you can buy a Peloton bike. If you have $58 a month, you can now finance the bike. But even below that, if you have your own bike or your own treadmill um, or you like yoga or outdoor running, you can download the Peloton app to your point and pay under $20 a month without any hardware uh, outlay, and be taking these fantastic classes. Interestingly, we think there's 23 million Americans with, with uh, treadmills in their homes today. They can tomorrow transform their own existing hardware into a Peloton boot camp experience and throw it up to their 60-inch television screen in their home gym or their basement or wherever they work out and be consuming our classes and joining the community and joining the Peloton, as it were. So it is a big part of our growth. I was just going to say, that's got to be an important part of the financial model. Full transparency, Jason and I both have a Peloton. It's it's a beautiful device, but it's not inexpensive. But this is a way of appealing to a much wider audience. That's right. We uh, we say we're platform agnostic with our content. Wherever you want to consume Peloton Fitness, whether you go to the gym and you bring your iPad or your 
iPhone. You can get on the gym bike or the gym treadmill, or you could go for an outdoor run. If you want to go for a 5K or you know three or four mile run, you can have our instructors in your headphones via your Android device or your iPad or your iPhone. Um, so in any way you want to consume and get a, get taught and led by an instructor via the Peloton platform, we're there for you. All right, so help us look around the corner. What's the next modality you may go after? Because it started with the bike, we went to the treadmill, you have outdoor running, you've got yoga, okay. you've got strength. Where might you go next? It's uh, a good question, Jason. We, we, it's just between the three of us. <laughs> we do consider ourselves an innovation and a technology shop first, so we, are, we have some pretty sexy, cool stuff on the horizon in the R&D shop as we call it we're, we're tasting the dog food as we're building it's it's pretty uh, pretty exciting stuff but uh, unfortunately, a lot of places that you can go elsewhere beyond what you ab- absolutely we like often. we like fitness uh, the capital F the macro category we understand there's a lot of different modalities to your point Jason you've studied them more than anybody um, so I think there's going to be some cool stuff coming out of Peloton in the coming so years. So we're Bloomberg we want to know give us an idea in terms of financials top and bottom line, uh, line growth subscriber growth, and then the IPO. Yeah, so I think I've been quoted saying we're, uh, we've done seven or 800 million top line in the last year, um, and there's, we're growing very quickly. Um, we're Double ex- digit? Sure, um, <laughs> if, not, if not more. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a high growth company. Yeah. We hope to keep it a high growth company, um, and we do have you know, big plans, and uh, we think we're kind of in the first inning. Um, I will tell you, we have, uh, I think, close to 500,000 subscribers now. We think we could have, you know, 100 million subscribers. So we are very, very early in our days. Do you think we're going to see some consolidation in this space? Are you an M&A player at this point? We recently hired a pretty big M&A head. um, So we're going to continue organically growing and be opportunistic if there are things that make sense for us. So, yeah, we're we're going to be smart. And do you think that will be in the physical space or the uh, digital space? Uh, I think we will be opportunistic. Uh, one thing, back to the Peloton Homecoming this weekend, we listen to our members yeah. and our community and where it feels like they want us to go, we're, we're going we're gonna to listen. That's what I was curious about, John. You guys get a lot of data. I mean, this is a, a lot of technology in what you guys are doing. And I do wonder about the data flow. What are you learning about, you know, the typical Peloton user? Or is there a typical Peloton user? Yeah, it's a great question. We, you know, we have uh, 49 states represented here this weekend. We sell a bike to every state every day. Um, So it's red and blue, uh, male, female, gay, straight, black, white. It is a beautiful, diverse community of different styles of riders that we're very proud of. And they're uniting on our platform um, that we're also very proud of. We're using our media muscle to bring people together, not to uh, push them apart. So it's uh, it's a lot of different types of people, but they share common experiences on our platform. And it's, it's a very special part of what we do. John Foley, the CEO of Peloton, hosting thousands of people here in New York City. We've heard the squeals as people sort of see each other as they come in to register. They're going to be all over the city taking classes tomorrow, meeting their favorite instructors. We're going to have more here later on downtown New York City. All right, so we are, of course, uh, live from Caldwell Factory in New York City, site of Peloton's homecoming event. Coming up next, of course, we talked to the CEO, and now we're going to talk to a user. John Oranger is CEO of the Stock Photography, Stock Footage, Stock Music Company, and more. We're talking about Shutterstock on site with us. Um, Great to have you here. It's great to be here. So tell us about your use of the Peloton. We were just talking about before we got going. We all kind of use it differently. Yeah, so I have one in my house. Uh, We have two in the office. Uh, and at home, it 
just makes life easier because I can use it uh, without leaving the house. I can get a workout in a couple times a week, and that's usually um, how I make my, my exercise happen. It's the happen. convenience that really makes it lovely. Right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So tell us about the, the pair at the office, because I feel like that's where this gets a lot more interesting in some ways, because, mm-hmm. you know, we all have them in our house, and that's cool, and we, and we use them, but the idea of sort of where your fitness and your wellness starts to intersect with your business life, I find fascinating. Yeah, we have two in the office. Um, our employees use them, uh, and uh, it's great. There, there seems to always be one available, and uh, uh, when people need to kind of take a break from work or... Some people set it up in their schedules uh, to kind of do it before or after. Uh, and it's a, it, it's a good way to kind of augment your work day. You know, John, we just think about, like, we just got back from the West Coast, and I think about companies like Pixar that I've profiled. And you go there, and there's places to play, you know, ping pong ball or go out on a court. I mean, they make that part of kind of the work experience. And if somebody wants to work at 2 in the morning, you know, that's when they let them do it. I mean, we really do, as someone who runs a company, have to kind of think about what works for workers, Right. And yeah. be more liberal in our thinking. Yeah, we um, we ask our, our employees what, what they're looking for. We have lunch in the office every single day in, uh, in our New York office. We have uh, the two Pelotons, and uh, we're constantly trying to evolve the work environment so that uh, you can work, you can play, you can get everything you need to Be as done productive as they place. need to be, right? Yeah. All right, so tell us about what's going on at Shutterstock these days. Obviously, you're in a fascinating corner of the market, and as Carol's laid out, I mean, I think the assumption would be, oh, it's, you know, stock photos, so that's much. cool. Um, you know, but, but you've really expanded pretty dramatically uh, into lots of different areas. How and why? Yeah, so we have three main channels we sell through. Um, we sell through our e-commerce channel, where... Uh, small businesses and individual users can get images to use for their business. Um, we have an enterprise product for larger businesses, uh, media companies, corporations, uh, uh, and agencies. Um, and then we have our API product where uh, websites can integrate directly into the Shutterstock uh, product and, and use uh, uh, images uh, for the customers of, of, of their product. Um, throughout all those channels, we sell about six images every single second to about two million customers, um, and I think that just kind of shows you the um, the way that every business needs images to sell their product, sell their service, um, and we continuously kind of work into the workflow to make them as successful as possible. Where are you seeing the most growth in terms of those kind of three different areas that you just laid out? We're seeing we're seeing growth in a lot of different places. We're seeing growth in in Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing growth in Europe. Um, and we continue to see growth in our core kind of uh, uh, American businesses as well. I want to ask you a, about your background because maybe unwittingly you are a hero to so many because you created one of the first pop-up blockers, right? Do I have that right? Yeah, that was uh, very early on. Yeah, yeah. Down, back in... Uh, the world says thank you. 1998 <laughs> or so. Before Microsoft built into yeah. Internet Explorer yeah. and put me out of business, but... Um, but yeah, that was kind of my one of my first software products that I sold. You know, one thing I want to ask you is because here we had a day where we've gotten some important, uh, or a week where we've gotten important economic news. We've watched the Federal Reserve. I think everybody's trying to figure out where we are in the market cycle. As somebody who runs a business, you're starting to smile. Like, do do you have a good handle in terms of visibility, whether it's six months out or twelve months out? Um, there are a few things. So, I mean, we the way that we gauge. Uh, uh, where the market is is by how many images we're selling. Yeah. Right? And so we keep seeing that number go up. Um, we use uh, that as an indication as to whether we're doing our job and whether businesses 
are, are, are healthy doing their jobs because whenever there's a marketing event needed in one of these companies, they need an image right. to sell their product, to sell their service. And they're not going to be marketing selling or not spending on it unless they're feeling pretty good, right? Right, right. And you need an image to kind of augment every marketing message as far as we're concerned. Uh, the other place we see it is kind of in our hiring. Um, it's the most competitive job environment we've ever seen. Um, I started Shutterstock about 16 years ago. Um, it's harder to hire uh, today than it ever has been. All levels, all types of jobs? All what? levels, all levels. There, there are more jobs out there than there are humans, it seems. Um, and we're constantly competing with, with other businesses in New York and, and all the other um, uh, places in the world that we have offices. Um, and, and that keeps getting more competitive. Uh, just about uh, 45 seconds left. Let's talk a little bit about New York City. You know, here we are in your hometown and the hometown uh, of your company. Uh, How is the New York tech scene right now trending higher, more competitive? What do you see? Uh, it's better than ever. I mean, when we started 15 years ago, it was hard to find certain types of talent. I'd say we're right there on par with San Francisco and any other place in the world that uh, you need to be. If you were starting a company here, I think... This is a great place to do it. I would do it again in New York. Yeah. Um, I've said that before. Uh, and we continue to grow our New York office. So I think in general we're doing pretty good here in New York. Anything that keep you, keeps you up at night? Uh, it is that job environment. It's, it's yeah. making sure that we're able to fill every role and make sure that we can continue to grow the company um, and find people to... To, uh, to do it with us. Yeah, it was definitely evidenced by the labor report that we got this totally. week, again showing a pretty tight labor market. John Oranger, CEO of Shutterstock, here with us at Peloton Homecoming. Sort of a homecoming for you. You live here, so it was nice of you to uh, <laughs> stop by and interesting to get your perspective on Peloton, but also the market at large. Good luck at Shutterstock. You are listening to Bloomberg Business Week live from downtown New York City. We're at Peloton Homecoming. More coming up. This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. All right, someone who is a full-on celebrity. We were a little starstruck we uh, when she walked up and sat in the chair. Robin Arzon is here with us, fitness programming and head instructor at Peloton. One of the OGs uh, in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. uh, a familiar face through many people's screens, and we've got to witness uh, people sort of literally like behind the rope line. Like, like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's you. Robin. It's Robin. Uh, welcome. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Thanks for having me. All right, so a big weekend. So what is this about for you? Because you've seen this whole journey. Yeah, I remember when we used to film what we call affectionately now the closet before our (laughs) studio opened. So to have this kind of weekend develop organically over time and have folks in the community care so much, it's literally pilgrimage (laughs) to New York, is really special. Tell us a little bit about your background, because I find it fascinating. You're a lawyer, or, right? A recovering lawyer. I'm a recovering lawyer. Right, right. <laughs> but a big-time runner, ultra-marathon yes. runner, and then you got into this. Tell us a little bit about that. I, I mean, I joke that I ran myself out of a law career because I fell in love with movement and sweat and training, and, you know, here I am. So, really, as I departed law, I thought I was going to be a traditional journalist and write and try to enter that realm. And then I read about John Foley and Peloton, and I thought, hmm, maybe I can marry some of these performative skills that I used as a litigator with this passion of running and cycling and and strength training, and here we are. (laughs) You're so good at connecting with Mm -hmm. people, even though you're not with them. You know, you're not with me, like, in my basement early in the morning where I'm like, 
Robin, why is she? Like, but she's just, so hard. But, but it we're feels training like partners. partners. Yes, right. And that's why we can, Peloton instructors do such a great job of breaking that fourth wall because we're actually doing the workout with you. Yeah. But athletes can speak to athletes, right? So we'll meet a member where they are, whether this is their first workout or there happens to be Olympians, and we're just going to go along that journey with you. And I think that that authenticity piece is actually what breaks through into your living room, on your balcony, in your home gym, wherever you're riding from. Tell us about the progression from like when you first started, as you mentioned, in the closet to kind of where you guys are, because it is pretty remarkable that when I'm on my bike, my on my Peloton, how I feel like, you know, and sometimes you do, if I'm on a live class, you can reach out to us, you know, kind of how that has progressed for you as an instructor. I mean... From my perspective, it's happened really organically, right? So from, you know, the most nascent stage to now over a million members, it is kind of crazy. So obviously you see the numbers on the leaderboards growing and you see the inbound messages and the comments on social media mushrooming. Um, But there's still that intimacy there, right? So for me, it's still kind of like we're still rocking and doing our thing. It's just more people haven't been, been invited to the party. So that's what's the beauty of Peloton is that we'll always scale. So when we're 100 million members, I think we're still going to have these personal connections because you have the leaderboard, you have the community, and you have the instructor who's literally talking to the camera and being like, Jason, let's go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. I know. Oh, I know. Uh, so talk to us about the tread. Talk to us about running, you know, because many people who are listening and watching have seen you in all of those uh, different formats. How do you change it up? How do you think about the different modalities, as it were? Well, I love that Peloton offers cycling and running and strength training because that's how I personally train. That's how our instructors train, is we a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and always keep the body guessing and moving. Running was my first love. So the fact that now we can provide that offering to our members is like, I mean, I mean it's my personal like highlight of the week when I can do a, a kick-ass tread class. Right. But um, it definitely is, I mean, that 360 view of fitness is like what I want our members to really start to appreciate is that you can take a yoga class, you can do a five-minute meditation. The right. next morning, if you're feeling really good, you can take a 30-minute hit class with Alex Toussaint. So that kind of offering and continuing to increase the value of the membership is always going to be the goal. Okay, from somebody who's produced a lot of, like, some TV, you know, documentaries and pieces, I'm just kind of like, how the heck do you do it in one sitting? No, it's really remarkable between the music and talking out to us. It's just so well produced, and I'm just curious how difficult it is to pull it all together. Mm, We make it look easy. Do you? (laughs) You know, we have Emmy award-winning producers. We have amazing, you know, you you guys know all about broadcasting live. I mean, it takes a village. But also hiring the instructor who can actually work out while hosting a television show and looking amazing while doing doing it is yeah. a very small bullseye. So yeah. <laughs> we only make it look right. easy. It's actually... Because it does look so easy. Yeah, and, it's, it's, tough, it's tougher <laughs> than it looks, I think. And tell us about bringing in new instructors, because it's all about the people, obviously. You're intimately involved in this. What are you looking for? Woo! Uh, I liken <laughs> the instructor team to a team of superheroes. So... The world is in love with the Avengers right now, and so am I, but I think we have a massive team of real-world superheroes, and I think that that conversation happens then when we're inviting members to become the superheroes of their own story. Like, I really believe that. And when we're hiring an instructor, it's like, what? where is your passion? Like, right. you, Because ha- if we're if filming 20 hours of live programming a day, a member can kind of tell, like, if, if you're it's, faking if it. it's faking it, you yeah. can fake a five-minute audition, you yeah. can fake a 20-minute audition, but you can't fake thousands of hours of live 
content. Harder to find people these days? It's really difficult to find people. Um, there's definitely interest. We have we can't even respond to all of the inquiries of folks interested teaching on our platforms. But um, it's a really small bullseye. So it is, you know, I, I it it's somebody who has that secret sauce, but also the passion. And it's not just expertise. Like there are lots of fitness experts out there. What we do is marry technology, entertainment, and fitness. And it's actually never been done before in this way. So it requires a very special person. So, okay, we know that John Foley told us, you know, other platforms to come. Will we see Robin on other platforms too? <laughs> Under the Peloton name? You know, <laughs> Under the Peloton name. Yeah. I'm married to Peloton. No, no, no. So you're not going to see me anywhere else. But I, no, no, no. But I mean, I don't know. You know, they're doing yoga. They're doing the trend. You know, they're doing... You know, we're, so, we're so proud of the ways that, you know, that 360 view of, like, you can run, you can walk, you can cycle with this, you can do strength training, you can do yoga, you can do meditation. And we're going to continue diving deep into those modalities. Right. TBD on anything else. A lot right. of things. <laughs> Robin Arzon, what a treat to catch up so with cool. you. Being live, see you so much uh, on the screen. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. We are here in downtown New York City at Peloton Homecoming. They are continuing to stream in, signing up. 3,000 people, we heard from CEO John Foley, are coming to town this weekend to hang with instructors like Robin Arzon, who we just had on the show. Julie Verhage is one of our experts. She covers this company, so much more at Bloomberg. She's here with us on hand. So what are you working on, JV? Well, I think one of the interesting things you've seen about Peloton just today in general is all the people that are so interested in it. Yeah. And like I teach cycling classes on the side in a studio and it's hard enough to Look connect with, with people the side hustle. in right. a studio, right? And what they've done really well through their instructors and the technology is just finding ways to let those users still connect and still feel motivated, right? So if you go on the platform, you can send people high fives. Like you said, you have Pelotons. Why are we not friends on Peloton? Where yeah, I can how be like, is, how is what this class not has happened? Jason taken yeah. today? Afterwards, afterwards, <laughs> yeah. we'll figure it out. Yeah, we're gonna do that. And no, that's but that social aspect, right? It's huge, yeah. And that community aspect, which is something we talked about with John Foley. Mm -hmm. that that's really important. And so tell us about that. I did not know that about you, that, <laughs> that you were an, an instructor as well. So take us inside this trend. You and I have talked about it a ton because mm -hmm. we are at this fascinating moment in terms of the world of fitness. And it plays into our lives as business people right. uh, as well. What's going on? What have you seen in terms of the latest? Obviously, Peloton is one right. example. What else are you seeing out in the world? There is a big at-home trend because for the longest time, you've seen a lot of these really good boutique studios in cities. Like New York City, we have no shortage of great fitness classes. We have the we opposite take. of a shortage. That's a great right? point. Yeah. And if I go home to Michigan, it's like I have to drive 45 minutes to go to a gym. So being able to just buy a $2,000 bike and keep that in my apartment and pay $40 a month. Yeah. Like, that's just such a good investment over the longer term. And it is interesting to hear, and I've heard John Foley talk about this before, you know, they sell at least one bike in every state every day, and yeah. you do start mm -hmm. to think about that uh, being the market. I'm also fascinated by, and we talked with him about this as well, the uptake of the app, because yeah. that makes it that much broader, and you start to see these different entry points mm -hmm. for a much bigger mass audience. Right. Whenever I have friends that are consultants or they're traveling a lot, I'm like, well, your hotel probably has a gym, right? Just pay $15 a month for the Peloton up and take a class there because it's going to be better than like, I'm going to go run two miles in the gym, like try to do something. Right. Like, you're going to actually get a better workout. And the thing is, they don't really care if you actually buy the piece of equipment because they're not making that much money on that. They're making their money in that subscription right. revenue, which when they initially started raising funding from venture capitalists and others, 
they thought of it as a hardware company right. when it's actually a media company. And that was really what, I mean, and we've heard John Foley talk about this, that was one of the things he really had to sort of, that, that was a notion right. he had to disabuse, mm-hmm. as they right. say. Right. You cover fintech for us, you know, mm-hmm. you follow this company, and I do wonder about consolidation, you know, whether yeah. or not, you know, scale, and we're going to see more companies connecting. And I know something you've been watching is, you know, is this the kind of company that an Apple's going to be interested in? I mean, I think there are a lot of similarities between the two, right? Apple definitely, like, I have my Apple Watch on. You guys have fitness trackers on. Uh, It makes a lot of sense. So I think, like, at the right price point, it could be a good marriage. It just would be a matter of Tim Cook and John Foley getting to that point as well. And more consolidation, (laughs) you think, coming generally in this space? Yeah, I think so, definitely, especially in New York City. Like, there's going to be a point where a lot of these fitness studios that have opened up are going to have to consolidate into one another. Or, like, I teach at Equinox. I could see Equinox buying some of these. They have big investments in Rumble and SoulCycle and others. Right. Speaking of IPOs, though, right, this Mm. has been a big year where we finally seen the IPO market open up. I mean, Peloton is one that investors are also looking forward to. Yeah, that definitely, I'm sure they have like tons of options on their roadmap and that's something that has been rumored for a while because they have raised a lot of money, they're very profitable, so it's something that you start asking yourself like, hey, like when and if does this end up happening at some point? Well, and you you feel like maybe it does play into this broader trend, even looking at Beyond Meat, you know, mm. that people are looking... Beyond at, Meat? Peloton? Well, I mean, people are looking at lifestyle brands. I think there's a connection. There's no... Con- you're not seeing you the connection. You make that connection. Uh, I'm not making public. That They want the exact same first day. Yeah, exactly. Beyond Everybody meat. wants Beyond <laughs> Meat's first day. All right, Nasser. Anyway, Julie Rahage, always great to catch up with you. You keep us honest on all this stuff. We love reading your stuff all over the place and now we know you've got the ultimate side hustle we know where to go for a really good uh, really good class how could i forget to mention the bicycle is a good invention so yes indeed we are live at peloton's homecoming and we're here with carlos dominguez he's president at sprinkler uh based uh you're in New York. New York. And you're here at the Caldwell Factory. Um, so nice to have you here with us. Oh, what a privilege, Carol and Jason, to be here with you today. So tell us about the Peloton. Like, how often you use it, why you use it. You know, what yeah, it does well, my, you. You're a power user, man. I'm a power user, yeah. Well, no, my story's quite simple. I've, I've had a gym membership my entire life. And much like uh, people my age and when you're very, very busy, I never got to use it. And uh, I turned 58, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Uh, overweight, and uh, you know, decided to invest in this thing called the Peloton, which we didn't even know what the heck it was. Right. But what was really cool about it was my wife had always told me, "Go, go to the studio. Let's go do some spin." And I never did. And, and the reason I didn't do it is it, when I started doing the Peloton, I really enjoyed throwing up in the privacy of my own home. <laughs> right. You know, doing that in public no. would have not been. Oh my God. Carol, it was it was pretty horrific. Well, we had Robin on earlier, so we know what you're talking. Well, about. Right, Robin kills right, you, yeah. right? Right. right. And, and what ended up happening is, you know, it went from another exercise piece of gear to something that I was doing on a regular basis. And being a geek too, having all the metrics yeah. and having all the things of my heart rate, you know, after about a two weeks of pain, right. I finally got to a point where I, I can do this. Right. And uh, I mean, because you're lost. a technology guy, I'm a like tech I, guy. I think about it, right? It is an incredible piece of workout equipment, but there's so much technology in it and behind it. Oh, incredible! I mean, and and you know, and everyone's different. I love seeing my heart rate. I love seeing, you know, who else is on and high fiving and all that. My wife, on the other hand, doesn't want to see anything because it, it's kind of. Yeah. You know, I have those days it. too. Right. But but it's it's you know what what I, what I think they've done that I that I really enjoy it and it's quite unique is you know I'm at my home so the convenience is there, but I feel a part of something. Yeah. And I feel a part of something much larger. And, and if you think about it, 
you know, I, I talk a lot about in my, in my role at Sprinkler on every company really trying to drive what I think is the most important thing, which is deliver great customer experiences. And I think they excel at that. Whether you're taking a class, mm -hmm. whether you're buying the product and they're setting it up in your home, or in my case, I've had problems too with the product and how they've come back and taken right. care of me. I mean, I'm going like, I love you, Peloton. Yeah. All right. So there's some nice overlaps with your avocation as yes. a Peloton <laughs> devotee yes. and your day job, yes. uh, especially over at Sprinkler. We should point out, you know, you spent more than two decades at Cisco, as Carol said. Not the food company. You're a tech guy. <laughs> no, no, no. The tech Cisco company. Cisco with a C. Cisco with a C, the one uh, based out on the West Coast. Uh, but help us understand what uh, your company is doing, what Sprinkler is doing as it relates to social media and connections and, and this yeah. sort of uh, high-tech world we're living in. Well, thank you for asking. I mean, it, it's quite simple. They're, you know, for a thousand plus of the world's largest brands, we listen to all the social conversations that are public and blog sources. I mean, it's 400 million plus sources. We take that that's all on structured data, organize it in a way that gives you insights about these conversations, about your product, about people requiring help, about your competitors, and then give you the ability to engage with your customers in a way that's very personal uh, and ultimately allow you to deliver better customer experiences. And we're doing that uh, for a thousand plus customers. It's fascinating because we talk about the data deluge, right? There's so much information coming at us, but unless we make it productive data or smart data, it's not useful, correct? And that's what you're really doing is filtering it through. Right. And, and you know, it's what, what I tell a lot of, we meet with a lot of these CMOs, and, and really if you think of marketing in the new world, it's radically different than, than the past. You know, in the, in the past, as a brand could say, hey, you know, I, we're great, we're great, and you put enough ads, people believe it. Today's world is, I'm convinced you're going to buy a product, you go to Amazon, right. and somebody, you read a review of somebody you don't know, and you buy something else. Carlos, how often does it that you're sitting down with like an established brand and a company and CEO, and they think one thing about who their consumer is or what they want, you guys do the data, you do the filtering, and it's like something completely different. How often, I just wonder, do companies kind of misread the marketplace right now? I, you know, I, it, it happens on a fairly frequent basis. I, I think the bigger problem is everyone knows that people are connected, they have power, they have a voice, yeah. right, and they're listening to others, not the brand, and what they're really challenged with is they know how to do marketing in the old way, you know, and now the new way is really about knowing me, engaging with me right. on things that I care about, and ultimately converting me to what I am for Peloton, an advocate of their brand. Yeah. Uh, when we have a guy like you, always want to understand, you know, your work in big tech, and yeah. I mean, you were advising the chairman and the CEO, mm -hmm. you were sort of spreading the word, evangelizing, uh, as it were, now you're with a, an admittedly smaller company. How yeah. do you make that transition? What do you take from sort of big tech down to really high growth startup tech? Boy, it's like night and day, and uh, you know, what, what Cisco allowed is, you know, in the 22 years that I was there, um, I mean, they were really foundational for the internet, to have a front row seat yeah. and seeing the impact of that on a global basis. I mean, we got to meet with prime ministers and world leaders and talking about all of that. So it gave me a lot of experience on how to grow companies and really more than anything else on how to lead, right? Because it was all around leadership. Uh, when you I mean, you had 20,000 people at, at, at some one point, point in time, yeah. 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 I used to be really tall and good looking, Dave. <laughs> and, and see, look at now, you know? And, you do but, just fine. <laughs> Thank God you have the Peloton. <laughs> what, happens, what happens in a smaller company is everything's got pros and cons, right? The pros are the development cycles and how we build technology is a thousand times faster than yeah. any place. On the downside of that is you don't have all the infrastructure, right. so you're 
kind of, when I joined there the first week, I was booking my own travel. I was calling my old administrator, Margaret, saying, hey, what do I do? <laughs> right? So you've got the pros and cons, but it's, it's really exciting to capture and be a part of something in an early stage that's evolving and really transforming the world. All right. Well, a real treat uh, to catch up with you, Carlos Dominguez. He's president of Sprinkler, a Peloton devotee. Two bikes and a tread, yes. I understand. All right, well, you're the real You've got deal. great energy, so whatever you're doing yeah. on the Peloton is definitely working for you. Yeah, I should give you my membership code yeah. and tell your audience so there I can get clothing. Get some referrals. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg Business Week. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio.